And also, and this is just something that keep in prayer, something that's been in my heart is, is to, to, to start an Erev Shabbat time together. Uh, Erev Shabbat being Friday evening as we welcome the Shabbat. And, but I didn't really want to do it up here. I didn't you know, want people to come up here on, an, on a Friday night and then again on Shabbat morning. So we're looking at the possibility of, and I talked to Father Phil Eberhardt from Resurrection Anglican yesterday, which is down in Greenwood Village, and we talked about the possibility of doing something on a Friday night at his place, and he's like, yes, I'd love to do this. So we're looking at starting towards the end of March. I don't know where it's going to go, how it's, but I just feel excited about it. It's going to be welcoming the Shabbat for those, and you know, not just for us, but it's also going to be for, for any of the you know, folks in the churches around the area there. And that is in a Jewish, an Orthodox Jewish community, if you've been to where he's at. Uh, matter of fact, it's within the, wet, the red thread that's considered um, you know, the, the um, a Shabbat's day walk. And, and so uh, we just feel like this is something significant. So starting in the end of March, we're looking at a Friday evening, an Arab Shabbat service. It'll go from probably about 7 till 8.30, not a long service. And we'll still be having service, of course, up here on Shabbat morning. Amen? So I'm excited about that. Um, any other announcements? I think that's it. Um, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, Joyce and, and Bill are gone this morning because her aunt passed away. Um, and so they're there for um, a memorial for them. And so, Lord, we want to just pray over the Price and her family, Lord, that um, you would be them in their loss. And I know that she was very close to her aunt. And Father, I pray that you would just even give them opportunities to share about the hope that's in you during this time. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Well, I just uh, want to continue on the theme that I've been looking at over the last weeks, looking at our biblical roots. And um, I want to talk today about a new birth and a new way to live. And before I, before I get into that, I just, you know, I was reminded this week and this is the 75th, this week has been the 75th anniversary of the, um, the freeing of Auschwitz, the death camp. 75 years. And they had a get together um, in Israel. It's the fifth time that they've done this. And 48 heads of state came to Israel to honor that, that thing. But I, I think it's significant because we have seen an increase in anti-Semitism just in the last few years. Not just in this country, but all over. And I'm just reminded that as we've been, and we will continue to look, and you know, even in, in, in the book of Shemot, Exodus, we see that God calls a people, Israel, to be his people to be his representatives, and he gives covenant to them. But the devil, he has a counterfeit plan to destroy the people of God, to destroy the people of Israel, to destroy not just the people of Israel, but the covenant purposes that God had for Israel. And you see that. It's, it is so out there. It's not even subtle anymore. It's in our faces. That the enemy of our souls, he wants to even remove the relevance of the covenants it themselves. And that's why it's so important for us to pray for our children. That, you know, because they're living in a post, they call it a post-Christian world we live in. A post-biblical world where, you know, God is being removed from the workplace. God is being removed from the schools. God is being removed from the families. God is being removed from government. And yet God can't be removed. Matter of fact, he stands and laughs at them when they try to do that. But there is an attempt. And we need to be aware of the schemes of the, of the enemy, what's going on. And I think most of us are. And even in this country, we're being torn apart you know, I haven't watched much of the impeachment hearings this week, but this country is being torn apart. 
And, you know, my prayer, and I know many of others around the world are praying for just truth would be exposed. Truth would be revealed, and the enemy's plans would be exposed. And I hope that you will continue in prayer for this nation that's being ripped apart. There's like a civil war going on. And I just want to take a few minutes, and I just want us to pray. And I've asked Carol Urbis. I'm going to put her on the spot. But Carol, if you haven't met her, she's, a, she's an intercessor. And um, she has a passion to pray for this nation, pray for this, this area specifically. But I've asked her if she would just come and, and pray for this nation during this crucial time. Would you, would you do that, please? And um, see, this is what happens when you show up and you haven't been here in a few weeks. You put, get put on the spot. But, but I want us to stand together and pray for this nation that is being torn apart. And I believe that God has a purpose in that, in all of this happening to bring us to everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So where's our faith at? So I'm going to ask if, Carol, you would pray for this country during this time, okay? Um, if, you know, if you're able, could you kneel? I feel bad asking. And we can just all... Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege, <clears throat> the honor to be able to come boldly to your throne of grace. What a true honor it is that our prayers come straight to your throne, straight to your ears. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed. Thank you, Yeshua, for just being our salvation, the anointed one that lives within us. And we exalt and magnify your name in the heavenly realm right now. And we declare that you are Lord over all, over all of us, over all of our families, over this congregation, over this mountain, over our capital in Colorado, over the capital of our nation. You are Lord over all. And you are the God who sees. Your eyes are on the good and the evil. Nothing escapes you. Lord, we have committed two evils. We have forsaken the living water in this nation. We have forsaken you and have hewn for ourselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold nothing people or deities that are dry and empty, speaking great swelling words of absolutely nothing. We have exchanged the glory for what does not profit, and our nation is seeing the ramifications of this because it is written in your word, O Lord, that iniquity comes before you. The iniquity of a nation comes before you. So first and foremost, Lord, we repent. You know, your word says in several places that you look for one person, just one, someone who will stand in the gap so that you do not destroy a nation. Well, Lord, here's many of us coming before you. Please hear our prayer. Please see what is in our hearts. And we are standing in the gap on behalf of this nation on behalf of our capital, on behalf of our leadership, on behalf of our shepherds, on behalf of everyone here, Lord, and asking you to please have mercy. We confess to you, Lord, that we did exchange the glory for what didn't profit. We embraced idols, physical, spiritual, emotional. We embraced wickedness. We have shed blood through wars, through abortion, through suicide. We have done things, Lord, that have been an abomination to you, ignorantly, unknowingly, or knowingly. We have embraced wickedness and rebellion, and we have embraced perversion, power, greed, lies. 
And we confess to you, Lord, now that we repent of this. We acknowledge this as sin in our nation as we watch this unfold in every facet of society. We are watching this unfold in our government through slanderous, false allegations, trying to divide and pit all of us against each other. We are seeing this in families as families are divided. We are seeing this in our schools. We are seeing this in society as a whole. As the head goes, so goes the body, Lord, and the body is sick. And we need divine intervention, Father. We're pleading you, praying, please have mercy. Lord God Almighty, you see what is going on in our nation. For reasons unbeknownst to us, you've appointed the people you've appointed to run this nation at this time. And so we are asking for your kingdom hedge of protection first and foremost upon the leadership you've appointed. We plead the blood of Jesus over Donald Trump, over Melania, over his children, his children's children, over Mike Pompeo, over A.G. Barr, over Durham, over everyone in their administration, over all the heads of our military. And we are asking you, Father, that you cover them and protect them with Holy Spirit fire, with the cloud covering of your power, and with the anointing of Christ so that there is no perforation or penetration in this walls of protection that the enemy realm can barely pick up upon them or trace them in the realm of the spirit and has no idea what they're doing. But Lord, the enemy is coming against them fierce and has since day one. So we are asking you, Father, to not only expose their demonic works of darkness right now, but we are asking you, Father, to chase them down by your spirit. We ask that you remove every puppet master from their positions of power. We are asking you, Father God, to dry up every supply line that is fueling and funding all of these works and abominations against something that you have put into place. Father God, we are asking you, it is written that you, the sh our shield is our God. You are the savior to the upright in heart. You have prepared your own deadly weapons. You have bent your bow and made it ready, and you have your own fiery shafts. So fire your fiery shafts into enemy encampments right now, Lord. Every satanic contention, invention, congregation, everything that is coming against your anointed person right now, our president right now, Father, we are asking that you completely dismantle every demonic work of darkness and bring all of the plots, plans, sabotages, and ploys to absolutely nothing. Disintegrate them now in the realm of the spirit and let it manifest out in the natural. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that they, all of this is going to come to nothing. Let all of the mischief boomerang upon their own head. Let every pit that they are digging and scraping out, let them fall into the very pits they are digging, Lord. And we ask most important that you restore this nation unto you, that whatever reasons you are using this leadership for, Lord, that it is for your glory in this hour to wake up the saints of Jesus Christ so that we stand together unified, unified, Lord, in such a time as this, and lastly, I lift up Jared Polis to you, Lord, and ask that you speak to his Hebrew heart and resurrect it, Father, from whatever lies and falsehoods he has believed. I do not know anything about him, but ask you, Father, to remind him of his identity and call him forth for such a time as this as well. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Just a reminder that we need to be praying for our leaders. It's easy to curse them. It's easy to judge them. But be, praying, be in prayer for this nation during these times and being specifically in for our leadership. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. That was... appreciate that so much. It's interesting that she said that to reawaken that Hebrew heart within our governor... And that's what I want to be talking about today is that new heart. And it's a subject I talk about a lot, but I talk about it today in a kind of a different way. And, you know, this, this message has really been 
this, this theme that I've been sharing about going back to our biblical roots because there's been such a, 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 an attempt to separate and to divide the, the bride of Messiah, the ecclesia, the church, from its biblical roots. It's in our face. And God wants us to see that he didn't come to destroy the Torah. He didn't come to destroy the prophets and to abolish them and say it's all about Yeshua right now. So forget about everything in the past. He didn't come to do that. We've talked about that. So, and I know that in some ways I'm speaking to the, to the choir today because I want to try to correct some inaccurate understandings of the new covenant. I'm not saying I see this here, but it's, I see it in the body of Messiah as I travel around, as I visit others, and some misunderstandings, some inaccuracies, some, some um, marred understanding of the new covenant. One of these that I hear often, and it, and it just goes right into my to my inner man when I hear this, is that those who love the Torah are putting themselves under the law. Putting themselves under the law. That's a misunderstanding of the term law. It's a misunderstanding of Torah. And of course, there are scriptures that in the New Testament that talk about this. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 6, 14, but what I say is that they're inaccurately interpreted. The scripture says in, in Romans 6, 14 and others, it says, for sin shall not be your master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So there's a misunderstanding in the body of Messiah today that said we're not under Torah anymore, we're under grace. How wrong can that be? But you see, if you start believing that, it kind of it's kind of like if you're following a um, you know a compass and you're just a little bit off, but ten miles out, twenty miles out, thirty miles out, you're going to be way way off. And that's why we have to be very concerned about that. And that belief that we're no longer under the law, that misunderstanding. It comes from Bible expositors, well-meaning Bible teachers and expositors who are unfamiliar with Jewish theology. I don't pretend to be a theologian, but I do understand and I am studying the scriptures and I want to come from it from a Jewish perspective, the mindset of our patriarchs who God gave the covenants to and God gave the, the, uh, the words to. You see, if you, if you buy into that, we're no longer under law, but you don't understand the term law and you mistake it for Torah, then you'll come to the conclusion that the old covenant and the covenants, the Mosaic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, all those covenants, they're no longer relevant for me. And then we're in trouble. So when we hear that term, here is the accurate understanding of that term and that the scriptures that we read, it says we're not under a system for atonement found in the Mosaic law. That's what that's referring to. We're not under a system for atonement found in the Mosaic law. We're no longer those that that particular sacrificial system provides the effective means of, of atonement for sinners. That's just true. Because Yeshua has come and become the perfect sacrifice once for all. But it doesn't negate Torah at all. It just says there's a better sacrifice now. And his name is Yeshua. His blood is more perfect than the blood of goats and lambs and rams and all of that. And we know that because there's no more animal sacrifices to deal with the sin issue. Yeshua's sacrifice is once for all. The only acceptable blood the only acceptable blood offering is Messiah's blood. That's what that term means, being under a sacrificial system. It doesn't mean that Torah has been done away with at all. As a matter of fact, Yeshua said, oh, I haven't come to do away with it. I haven't come to abolish or nullify it, but to fulfill it. Fulfill it in his own sacrifice, by his own blood. Another inaccuracy, and we hear this a lot, God only required, when it comes to the Old Covenant, God only required outward works 
of ritual sacrifice in the Tanakh. That the only relationship that we had with God in the Tanakh was to bring offerings. We had to achieve something. We had to achieve this by bringing something to God. And, with, and, and if you have that understanding that and with the inauguration of the new covenant, God is only now concerned with the inner spiritual condition of the hearts. And that's something that's only begin, uh, uh, come at the new covenant. That's, that's not true. That's a fallacy. You see, if we believe that, that God in the old covenant is only interested in, in rituals and bloody sacrifices, but because of the new covenant now, he's only concerned with the spiritual condition of our hearts. We miss it. Because that leads to an overemphasis on personal salvation. You know, in Jewish theology, personal salvation is not the priority. It's the kingdom. It's the people understanding and walking in the power and the authority of the kingdom. But today we have this thing about personal salvation. I'm not saying we don't have to, we have to be saved. Yes. And God is a personal God. He, he wants to save us and to, and to give us new life personally. Yes. But it's much more than that. Redemption of every aspect of society. Some actually even think that whatever works that I do to see his kingdom expanded is working to earn my salvation. That's not it at all. It's not it at all. I can't work in my own works to get salvation. It's a free gift offered by Yeshua. But there's an expectation when I receive the free gift of salvation, being born again, being a child of God, that I'm going to walk in the works that God has laid out before even the foundations of the world. Works and faith go hand in hand. You can't cut them out. You see, neither one of those, those uh, inaccuracies about no longer under the law and God was only interested in rituals, they don't agree with the word of God. They're totally, they're, they're contrary to the word of God. All through the Tanakh, all through the scriptures, all through the new covenant, we see that the faith of the heart was always manifested in works. That's what God always intended. Turn to John chapter 3. And we know this passage. And Yeshua is summoned, I assume he's being summoned, by Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. Uh, he's genuinely interested in this prophet. And I'm going to talk about the prophet that was prophesied in the Tanakh next week. But he's genuinely interested in this man, Yeshua. But he's got some questions. So he summons him at night and has this discussion. And let none of us get down on Nicodemus because we all have struggled with questions. And he's going to the source, which I say, yes, hallelujah, he went right to the source. Let's start in verse 1. Now there was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jewish people. He came to Yeshua at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, have come from God. You, a teacher, have come from God. For no one can perform these signs without you, unless which you do, unless God is with him. So he saw something in Yeshua's life. The works that he did, he said, man, nobody can do this unless they're from God. Foundation, he said, man, he's coming from God. Yeshua answered him, amen, amen. I tell you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I love this transition. There's basically no transition. Yeshua just goes right to the heart of the matter. You see, I think he'd probably heard some terms. Nicodemus, he says, I'm going to do the Jewish thing. I'm going to beat around the bush. I want to ask you. And, and, and Yeshua goes right to the heart. You've heard it say one must be born again. He goes right to the heart of the issue. 
And unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're a Jewish teacher, a scholar, you're one of the, it says, one of the rulers of the people. And you, one of your foundations is that to see the kingdom of God. And Yeshua says this thing, you want to find out a little bit more. What's going on here? Verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus said to him. And you might laugh at that, but back in that day, you were just like, this is, okay, very rational question. How can a man go back into his mother's womb? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Yeshua answered, amen, amen. I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again, but must be be born from above. He's saying, Nicodemus, don't be surprised at what I'm saying to you. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things happen, Nicodemus said. I would be asking those same questions, and so would you. Having this this discussion, how do we be born again? How does this work? How do I see the kingdom of God? I love, and this is the verse, verse 10. Yeshua answered him, you're a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? You see, there's an assumption there that as a teacher of, and and one who knows the scriptures, you should have seen this in the scriptures already. So that gets me to think, wait a minute. This new heart, new spirit, is not just a new covenant thing. It hadn't been written yet. The New New Testament hadn't been written yet. This is something that was in the Hebrew Scriptures. So let's look at that. We talk about heart. The Hebrew word for heart, anybody know what the Hebrew word for heart is? Lev. Lev. And it's... You know, sometimes we don't understand because the the, the Scriptures talk about Lev, the heart, the soul, nefesh or neshama. But the heart is the center or middle. That's what that means, the center or the middle. The totality of man's inner nature. Sometimes it's referred to as the spirit. And see, that's where a lot of people get into confusion is heart, spirit. It's the center of man's inner nature. The ruling center of the whole person. This is not something that's new. This is something that the people of Israel understand. As a matter of fact, in the Shema that we recite daily, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of his glorious majesty forever and ever. And I shall love the Lord thy God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's in the Shema that the people of Israel all through. This is the prayer. This this is the first prayer I learned as a Jewish kid. Is the Shema. Isn't that right, David? You learn this. Everybody knows this. You don't have to go to the synagogue for more than one time to know the Shema. And it's reminding that We're to love him with all of our heart. It's not just something that became possible in the new covenant. It's always been there in the scriptures. Wisdom and understanding, it says in the scriptures, will reside in the heart. Proverbs 16, 23. A wise man's heart teaches his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. It's his heart. It's what we speak comes out from the heart. Second Chronicles, I believe it's 9, 23. And all the kings of the earth sought an audience with Solomon to listen to the wisdom that God had put in his heart. You remember when Solomon was a young man and he became king and, you know, he had the opportunity to ask for anything he wanted. And what did he want? To lead the people. Wisdom. And God says, I love that. And there's going to be such wisdom that everybody's going to come to you. 
And then later in 2 Chronicles in chapter 12, verse 14, we have another guy, Rehoboam, but he's not a good guy. He says, but he did evil because he had not set his heart to seek Adonai. You see, the heart is the center of everything. And it always has been all through the scriptures. And it's crucial to guard the heart. To put gates. What are you allowing in your heart? Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness defiles many. If we've got a heart that's been defiled, guess what? Man, our heart just, it's, it goes way, way, way far from God. It's crucial to guard our hearts. Solomon wrote about this in Proverbs 4. Verse 23 says, guard your heart diligently. For from it flow the springs of life. The issues of life come from the heart. Put away perversity from your mouth. You see the connection between what is in the heart and what comes out of the mouth. Put away perversity from your mouth and keep devious lips far from you. I love what you shared in Parsha about when Moses said, I have uncircumcised lips, but his heart had been circumcised because he had that relationship. It just shows you the humility of that. That man, he, he only wanted to share the, the words that God put in his heart. He says, let your eyes look, continue on, let your eyes look directly ahead and fix your gaze straight in front of you. Clear a level path for your feet so all your ways will be firm. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Divert your foot from evil. If we refuse to guard our heart, if we instead make, well, if we refuse to make right choices, life choices, this is something that Millie's always saying to our grandkids, like a broken record, but it's so true. Make life choices. You know, they'll share with her about the things that they're going through, and Millie will say, make Life choices. What is going to bring life in the situation? But if we refuse to make those right choices, it's going to lead to a hardening of the heart, where the heart becomes callous to actually hear what God is saying. Many of us have to say, God, soften my heart. I've let it become hard. And Father, I want to pray right now that those who have hardened their hearts for whatever reason, because of things that have happened. Lord, I pray in the name of Yeshua, soften our hearts, Lord God, as we repent of that hard-heartedness and come back to you, Lord God. Soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord. We see this in, we're talking about Pharaoh, and we know the story, and we're going to get more into this. In Exodus chapter 9, verse, the last part of verse 7, it says, but the heart of Pharaoh was stubborn, that's another word saying he's hardening his own heart and he did not let the people go. And then verse 10, uh, I mean, Exodus, the next chapter, chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Adonai said to Moses, go to Pharaoh because I have hardened his heart. But because Moses had a stubborn heart already, God's going to use Moses, I mean, he's going to use the Pharaoh to show and to, the whole purpose was to destroy the gods of Egypt, to bring judgment upon the gods of Egypt, to set his people free. And he's still doing that today. God is still doing that today. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and incurable. Who can know it? Guard our hearts. The Greek word for heart is, anybody know what the Greek word for heart is? Cardia, like Cardiac arrest. Cardia. It's our thoughts, our reasoning, our understanding, our will, our judgments, our love, our hate, our fear, joy. All of these. This is the heart. All of our feelings, all of our emotions, all of our soul. And this is why it's so important when Paul exhorts us to present our whole being as a 
living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I urge you therefore to brothers and sisters by the mercies of God, prevent, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Prevent, present all you are as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. He makes you holy and acceptable your spiritual service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God. The Tanakh roots of the new birth, being born again, it's not just something we read about in the New Testament. It's talking about heart circumcision. Moses understood that heart circumcision. And what it, it's depicted in the, in the Tanakh as, as God's renovating of our hearts, softening our hearts to love him. The only way we can love God is with a soft heart. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says also, Adonai, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love Adonai with all your heart and with all your soul and in order that you may live. The circumcision of our heart, that is a Tanakh term for being born again. The circumcision of our heart is so that we can love him fully. And there's more, too. It's not just, it's, and out of that love for him, I'm going to do the works that he's ordained for me. It's not, I do the works, and then he'll love me. It's, I love him so much. And out of my love for him, I want to do the works that he's called me to do. See the difference? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39. I will give them one heart and one way so that they may fear me forever for their God and for their children after them. I will put my fear in their hearts so that they, not a fear of, oh, no, but a fear, a reverence, a reverence. I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Ezekiel chapter 11. I'm doing a lot of scriptures because I want us to, to see how God is so concerned with the heart in the Tanakh. He's so concerned. He doesn't all of a sudden become interested in, it in the New Testament. It's all through. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. Then I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh so that they may also follow my laws. Keep my ordinances and practice them and they will be my people and I will be their God. It's a sovereign work of purification that God is doing so that we can love him with a whole heart and in this way we can be his people. That's what he's wanting us to do. It's not about doing, being under the law, doing all these works so that maybe, maybe God will accept me. No, but because he's done the work, he loves you and he accepts you. It's a joy to do what he's called us to do at that point. So I want to bring this to a conclusion. And Tammy, why don't you come on up and get, get ready Get prepared for time of worship. A problem in the body of Messiah today. And thank God I don't see much of it in our congregation because we're special. God loves us better than anybody else. No, I'm not saying that at all. But there's an attitude, especially in the Western Ecclesia Church, that seeped in over the years, over the centuries, over the millennium. The attitude is, what can you do for me, God? Okay, I'm going to do these things, but what are you going to do for me? You know, I hope, you know, we don't come to Shabbat to get from God. We come to Shabbat and join with our brothers and sisters to celebrate him, to rejoice in him, to worship him. And then as we do that, he blesses, and then we receive. But I come, and this is what I want us to have that attitude, is we come to bless him. But so many in the body today is, what can you do for me, God? Sometimes we go to meetings, we go to conferences, and we pray, and 
We give in order to get many times. I think I've been guilty of that probably once or twice in my life. <laughs> All right, I'll do this. But God, you, you got to do this. And when, he want, when, he, when he's asking our whole heart and soul and mind and strength, when we present our whole bodies to him, we're saying that's the normal thing to do. That's my spiritual act of worship is to just give everything to him. I'm his and he's my God. The new birth, it saves me from myself. It saves me from the world. It saves me from the, the prince of this world. The new birth saves me so that I can love freely the God, the God of this universe with my whole life. I see this especially as I see the readings, the writings of one of Yeshua's disciples, John, the beloved. I wish I'd read the whole chapter, but in John chapter 14, starting at 15, 15, it says, if you love me, this is Yeshua speaking to his friends, speaking to us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, if you love me, you're just going to keep my commandments. I used to read it in a different way. If you love me, keep my commandments. No, it's not that at all. That's not the heart of the Father. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father's will, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. I love these words. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Being born again, the new birth is the only way that obedience is even possible. It's about experiencing that love. And Jeremiah 31, the last part of verse 32, we're familiar with this verse. It says, I will put my Torah within them. Yes, I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's the promise of the new birth. God is in the process of writing his Torah, his instructions, his words on our heart. To love him with all of our heart. You see that new birth, and, and this is what's been consistent all through the scriptures. This new birth is, is a new wineskin for the new wine of the Holy Spirit. To have that heart that receives him. Yeshua said it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. See, when my whole heart is committed to him, he says, you're blessed. They shall see God. This is the answer to Nicodemus' question. When you've got that new heart, you're able to see him and to see his kingdom purposes. So therefore, how should we live? Do the works ordained by God, by grace, through faith. You know, the scriptures talk about being zealous in Matthew chapter 27 and also in Titus. It says, be zealous in your good works. That's not about salvation, but because of God's love and God's, my heart to him, I'm going to be zealous in doing good works. Matthew 7, 24 says, therefore everyone who has these words of mine and does them, will be a wise man. See, God's not just interested in just our spiritual condition of our heart, but he's interested in what are you, what are you doing with that love that I put in your heart? It's not just for you, it's to show to the whole world. 
Be a wise man. So let me read that, that scripture in its entirety. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be a wise man who built his house on the rock. Because of the new heart, we should be passionate in doing things to express my love for God. The disciple Yaakov, Jacob, says, my faith, my faith, my faith without works is it's dead. It's a challenge to us at Orchaim. It's a challenge to us personally to be more bold in sharing his love for us. And I'm I'm just blessed. You know, I was talking with Judith, I'm gonna put her on the spot last week, and God's put it on her heart to start a Bible study in her building because of the love that she has for the Father. She just wants to share that with other people. I just, that blesses me. I, I watch David and Laura. They have a heart to worship the Lord and to show that love and through expressing through their dance and, and teaching others how to dance and worship. Sarah, you've heard her testimony? She was a child. and How many death camps were you in? two death camps, and a ghetto. And yet God saved her out of that stuff. She's putting a book together to share about her experiences, not just to remind people of, yeah, there's an evil one out there that wants to destroy us, but also to give glory to God. Amen. She doesn't know how to write a book. So Patricia, I can help you do that. You see, this is what I mean. This is stepping out, and it's not a legalistic thing. It's not a oh, works to get saved. It's because I love God, and because I love what He's doing, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do to be part of that. Just stand with me. Each and every one of us, His love has been poured out in our hearts through the Ruach Hakodesh, the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of being passionate. I love this lady right here. She has a passion to pray for people. She's not really quiet when she <laughs> prays for people. It's just who God made her to be. There's a passion about her. You know, and I just, just Carol's prayer of intercession. God has called her because of his love for her and there's a gift in her to be an intercessor. And so she's moving in that. So this is what it's all about. It's not about works. It's just about responding, letting that love manifest. In so Father, I thank you for each and every one here, Lord God. And Lord, your love has been poured out in us by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that love would awaken those gifts in us. Awaken a boldness in us to share with people who need to hear truth in love. God, I pray as we just begin to focus on you, Lord God, today in our worship, Lord. Lord, that you would show them. And I think there's many here that you already know the gifts that you have. God's already showed you that. And he's preparing you, but... Lord, I pray a release of those gifts in each and every one of us, Lord. I just reminded Kent comes here a couple years ago, and God's got in his heart to, to teach Hebrew. He doesn't speak Hebrew fluently, but he has a heart to share because he's learned how to, to read and to, and to study, and, and he's blessed others through that gift that he has to teach Hebrew. Because of that, we got people who are able to read the Torah. And, and, and so, Father, I just thank you for each and every one. All of us have gifts, Lord God, and awaken those gifts. And give us that boldness and that passion to share with others, Lord, in these days. In Yeshua's name, amen, amen. As we go into a time of worship, this is also our time at Orchayim to, to bring our, to bring always correct myself bringing his tithe before him 
that tithe belongs to him. And this is a lesson that I learned, still in the process of learning many years ago as, you know, a wise pastor, Pastor Buford Oliver Belcher. <laughs> he said, just try this, just do this. And, and it changed our lives when we were new believers. Giving God's tithe back to him at the storehouse. This is our opportunity to do that. And also our offerings. This is what we give over and above that tithe that belongs to him, to the Lord, to see his work go forth from this place. So just to ask you to, to be faithful in your giving this morning, we have baskets up here in the front and also the pushka in the back. So during our worship, which I believe giving is, is part of that, of our worship, is just be uh, obedient to what the Lord says. Father, we bless you and we honor you today in our giving, in who you are, Lord, and just as we turn our eyes and focus on you, Lord, just break through, Lord God. Turn our hearts to you even more in Yeshua's name, amen. Let's worship him and give to the Lord, amen.